You are listening to Holy Words from Holy Cross, the sermon podcast of Holy Cross Evangelical Lutheran Church in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. We hope you find these words a blessing in your daily walk with God. Please visit us on the web at www.holycrossnazareth.org or in person at 696 Johnson Road, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Don't be all else to me, save that. Before I ask you to pray with me, I would like to preface it a little bit. This was the actual prayer that I prayed on Wednesday evening after Vespers, preparing to stand before you and speak asking God for that help. Let us pray. Almighty and merciful God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, your servant is asking for you to plant a seed of understanding. I'm asking you, Almighty God, to bless that seed, to water it and cause it to grow, that it may take bud and leaf, and the branches give us protection. And Lord, we pray that the words that will be spoken will blossom and bear fruit, fruit that your people can partake of. This is asked in your precious name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. This is what I believe the Lord God has shown to me with absolute certainty. So you see the gospel message for today actually before they're leaving the temple begins with Jesus giving his disciples a pretty good lesson on what is the proper posture of giving. As they were standing in the temple and people were bringing their offerings to the sanctuary treasury, we know the story that there came a widow who gave a mite. And Jesus says, I tell you the truth, out of all the things that people have brought to this temple, she gave all that she had. Everybody else gave from their wealth. But this woman has the true posture of giving. She gave everything. It was at that point then that the gospel for today begins where Jesus and those disciples with him leave the temple, and one of the disciples makes the remark, the stones are massive. This building is magnificent. And Jesus responds to that statement. I tell you the truth, not one stone will be left upon the other. That is what Jesus spoke before they departed that area and went up to the Mount of Olives. And what follows in our gospel for today in the way it is presented 
It is called the Olivet Discourse. I'm a simple man. I call it, Jesus takes his disciples up to the Mount of Olives and shows them. That's the discourse. So can you imagine being up there? Now the Mount of Olives is 200 foot higher in elevation than the Temple Mount. Can you imagine the view that the disciples have? But more importantly, we need to take a closer look at the view that our Lord and Savior had. We have to remember that here he is 200 foot above Jerusalem looking down at the Temple Mount. But what she sees is different than what the disciples see. It does not tell us in Scripture if Jesus actually explains all of these things to them. But I am comfortable and certain that he did, even though it's not recorded in Scripture. Because you see, when Jesus is looking down at the Temple Mount, he knows because in the Gospel of John it says this, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And through him all things were made. And without him not anything was made that was made. It tells us that Jesus was there from the beginning. And although the disciples can look down at this incredible view, they can't see what Jesus sees unless he explains it to them. You see, what took place there was, first of all, Abraham and Isaac. It was at that spot that they're looking down on that Abraham had taken his son Isaac out of obedience to God to offer him as a sacrifice on Mount Moriah, which is the same place. So when Jesus is looking down and these disciples are seeing huge stones and incredible edifices, Jesus sees everything that has transpired there. That it was the obedience of Abraham who took his son with the firewood, with the fire, and with the knife. and went to that specific place and built an altar, arranged the wood, laid his son on the altar and bound him out of obedience to Almighty God. And when he was ready to take the knife and slay his son, God's voice cried out, Abraham, do not touch the boy. And then Abraham was allowed to see a ram caught in a thicket. Because Isaac had asked his dad, Dad, we got all the stuff, but we don't have the sacrifice. Abraham said, God will provide. And that is exactly what took place. As Jesus is looking down from the Mount of Olives, 
This is what he is able to see had taken place. You see, a father brought his son to be sacrificed. But God provided. And Abraham called the place that we are now looking down on from the Mount of Olives, the Lord will provide. Jesus also is able to see at that place Isaac, son Jacob, is now leaving his father and his mother and he's going back to Haran to find a wife and it, has, it is at this same place, what is called the Temple Mount, that now Jacob lays his head on a stone and has a dream. The ladder came down from heaven and the angels were ascending and descending here at that Temple Mount. This also took place. And Jacob calls the place the gateway to heaven. And he renames the city for himself. He calls the city that was at that time called Luz, he calls it Bethel. And Bethel means house of God. This is what Jesus is able to see from the Mount of Olives looking down. He is able to see that it was at that very place that King David finally brought the Ark of the Covenant, the most holy artifact in Israel's history. He also is able to see that David's son Solomon had built the temple And that, at the dedication of that temple, Solomon stood, no, Solomon knelt with his hands lifted upwards and sent a prayer up from that very spot. A prayer that dedicated the temple to all of the people in the world. It actually is part of Solomon's prayer to say that at this point, all prayer will ascend unto heaven. This is what Jesus is able to see looking down from the Mount of Olives upon the Temple Mount. The disciples asked about the size of the stones. It's actually recorded in Josephus that there were stones in this foundation that were 37 foot long, 12 foot high, 18 foot deep. Now, as a stonemason by trade, you can do the math. One square foot of stone, two inches thick, is 30 pounds. So a cubic foot 
would be 180 pounds. You have to multiply the 37 times the 12 times the 18 times the 180 pounds to know the weight of that stone. That stone was placed there. And this is what they're looking upon. It's called the Wailing Wall. You know, if we would go to the Mount of Olives today and Jesus would stand there, he would be able to see all of those things yet again. But what we could see is the Wailing Wall. And the Wailing Wall has five points of its holiness. This is a wonderful piece, and I would encourage you to follow up in thought with this. So if you want to read about Abraham's story that we had just told, it's in Genesis chapter 22. If you want to read about Jacob, it's in Genesis chapter 28. If you want to read about David, it's in 2 Samuel 6. If you want to read about Solomon's prayer, it's in 1 Kings 8. All of this bears witness. And I also will share with you now a wonderful look at this Temple Mount that you can look up online at Aish, A-I-S-H dot com. It is a Jewish website. And on that website, you can scroll and find the five reasons the Wailing Wall is holy. And here's what it has to say about that. First of all, it is holy because of everything we just said. It was where Isaac was taken. It was where Jacob had dreamed. It was where the Ark of the Covenant was taken. It is where Solomon stood and prayed. And this wailing wall that is visible and is a testimony to this day is in the closest proximity to the Holy of Holies of the original temple. The place where once a year the high priest would go in and offer a sacrifice for the sins of the high priest first and then for all of the people so we could be at one with God, forgiven by our sins. So it is a most holy place. It is an eternal symbol because we have to go all the way back to Solomon's building of the temple and we still see stones there that are in place to tell us and help us to understand that these stones represent the divine presence in our world it is a gateway to heaven the gateway by which it becomes the conduit of prayer ascending unto God. A rabbi in our country says it this way, my feet are in the west, 
but my heart is in the east. Part of Solomon's prayer is, is that whenever you pray, pray facing Israel if you are not in Israel. If you are in Israel, pray facing Jerusalem. If you are in Jerusalem praying, pray and face the temple. Because this is the conduit for prayer to go to God. It was the gateway to heaven. Jacob spoke. It's called the Wailing Wall. It is a place where Jews to this day and all people, Christians also, I have the benefit of having known a woman who journeyed to this Wailing Wall. And she came back. The paper is probably not there anymore, but it is a humbling piece. She said, I wrote your name on the paper. And I stuck it in a crack in the foundation. It's where the Jewish people go to this day and cry out in prayer, asking God to restore his people. It is called the Wailing Wall, the Wall of Tears. It is also a, a wall that shows us and reminds us of the heroism of God's people. For 2,000 years, the Jewish people did not have full access to that wall. But in 1967, it's called the Six-Day War. And Israeli paratroopers entered in through the Lion's Gate and took control of the Gate of Tears, the Wailing Wall. And ever since 1967, that wall, which is considered the conduit of prayer to God, showing his divine presence by the stones that have been there for so long, are available to all, just as Solomon had said. On this day, we take a close look at two things. One is Golden Age Sunday, where we show respect to those who have come before us. They are like what I tried to explain, Jesus seeing things that the disciples just couldn't see. Our Golden Agers have seen things and have held fast to the faith. And this is why on this day, we invite them to a meal so that we show our respect. And also on this day, we remember those who are persecuted. Think about the story of that wailing wall and the persecution of God's people that have gone on for thousands of years. And the hope that we have that Jesus is going to make them all a footstool and come and take us to his eternal presence. What a powerful piece. The pastor and I were joking. Last week he said he had to keep his sermon to five to seven minutes. I bet him a dollar he couldn't. When we spoke on Thursday, I said, I know I should keep it to five to seven minutes, but 
it's not a good bet. <laughs> the reason I share that with you is because this story, this proclamation is not complete. There is much more that we would need to look into to understand what Jesus is speaking to his disciples at this time. But I can tell you this. If you would like to hear more on this subject, come Wednesday night at Vespers. I will continue it then. Amen. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, save that thou art. Be thou my best thought in the day and the night. Waking or sleeping, thy presence my light.